Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Volts. With me, as always, my partner in crime and main man, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? Spectacular, Foltz. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Um, we're gonna. We have a, a pretty interesting show tonight. It's. Uh, we're gonna be sticking with a with a theme. A few weeks ago, we put out a show. Uh, Birds aren't real. Birds aren't real, and and now it's a series with this show. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna throw in uh, this crush, a show about crows, and uh, you know you, you there's a lot of information that they're not just birds that are flying around and always in your yard, maybe causing problems or whatever, calling at you. Yeah, um, but what you're gonna learn tonight is that uh, you're probably if you have a crow problem in your yard. Uh, Come around springtime, it's best to just you know leave them alone because uh, you know some say that they don't forget. Now speaking of crows, I just recently and Steve, you saw the video as well. Sick video of it was a girl was in a parking lot of uh, a strip mall, I guess, right? And it was like a Circuit City or something. Yeah, just an invasion of crows coming in and just odd behavior. Now. I believe that they were talking in the video that it had something to do with like 5G. That's what they were referring to, that the birds were responding to 5G. Yeah, they were disoriented. And when Foltz says an invasion, I mean the sky was black with crows. And some of them were landing on top of the car. Some of them were landing on the asphalt of the parking lot. Some of them were making those weird bird motions where there's you know a flock and they're moving at one time. And it, it it looked icky. It looked weird. Right. So, I mean, you could probably find it pretty easily with a quick Google. Um, I, I suggest doing that. But after tonight's show, after listening to tonight's show, it's probably when you watch that video, it's only going to be one or two things. It's either going to be that there was some 5G interference or that this girl or somebody in her family along the lineage did a crow or a number of crows, maybe some wrong or some harm, or shoot at them a lot, or who knows, didn't feed them when they wanted to be. <laughs> so so we're just going to jump right in and uh, deliver a show with crows. Now, crows, <clears throat> they hold grudges in human-like fashion. Now, crows don't forget a face, and they hold grudges. There's researchers in Seattle that revealed last year that captured crows remember the face of their abductor. Even though years had passed since they saw the threatening face, the crows in the experiment would taunt their captor and dive bomb them, suggesting that the birds held tightly to a negative association. Now, the researchers' follow-up studies shows that the birds' brains light up much like the human mind when they see the face they know. The regions of the cow brain that work together are not unlike those that work together in mammals, including humans. Now, the lead researcher, John Marsaloff, who you're going to hear a lot about tonight, um, you're going to hear a lot about uh, one specific experiment that he ran, and we're also, but we're going to be adding information as we go. 
Now, John Marsloff of the University of Washington said in a statement from the school, these regions were suspected to work in birds, but not documented until now. In the study, 12 male adult crows were captured by researchers who were all wearing one type of mask, referred to in the study as the threatening face. Then during four weeks of captivity, the birds were fed by people wearing a different mask. Though both disguises had neutral expressions, this mask was referred to as was referred to as the caring face. To see what was going on in the birds' brains when they saw both faces, the researchers injected a glucose fluid into the bodies of fully alert crows. The crows were then put into presence of someone wearing either the threatening or caring mask for about 15 minutes before the birds were sedated and given a brain scan. The fluid revealed which parts of their brains were not most active around certain mask wearers. Marzaloff said it appears that smart birds have a region of their brain that is analogous to the uh, amygdala of mammals. The amygdala is the region of the vertebrae brain where negative associations are stored as memories, he said in the statement. Previous work primarily concerned in its functions in mammals. While our work shows that similar system is at work in birds, the study detailed in the weeks in the proceedings of the National Academy Sciences suggest that the caretakers might be able to reduce the stress of captive animals by treating them well and consistently. That just seems obvious. Now, by feeding and caring for birds in captivity, their brain activity suggests that the birds view their keepers as valued, valued social partners rather than animals that must be feared, Marzaloff said. He added that the findings might even be used to make better behaved crows, suggesting that birds could be manipulated to associate eating a rare species with a negative experience to train them to avoid a particular prey. Ooh, folks start off fast. I know. I mean, it, it's it, there are some similarities to uh, birds aren't real. I mean, there's a there's a plot to uh, like a master race of birds, if you will. How to make birds change their behavior? But these studies show that birds' brains light up much like humans. And if you know how the human brain works, please tell me. I, I know a yeah. little bit about it, but uh, not enough. Um, you're you actually, when you see somebody's face, it gets associated with a feeling in your brain. So if you have a good connotation, it's in one part of your brain. And and that gets separated into separate sections of the good connotation that you have. Like if you have a feeling that someone is motherly towards you and uh, they, they want to take care of you, then that's one part of your brain. If you have... Uh, maybe a drive or you're attracted to someone that's a different part of your brain then on the other side if you are fearful of this person that part of your brain activates as soon as you see this person that part of your brain activates um if you're fearful of them or if uh maybe that person maybe that person stinks that that's your connotation of them that lights up a different part of your brain so now they're tracking these these parts of the birds brains so that they can tell whether or not they can do the same thing that humans do when they have connotations with these masks. Exactly. Do you want to take us into this next section? Yeah, let me take a look here. We'll be talking about the uh, angry birds and crows never forget your face. Mess with a crow and it will remember your face for over five years, research shows. 
Crows remember the faces of threatening humans and often react by scolding and bringing in others to mob the perceived miscreant. According to a new study published in the latest proceedings of the Royal Society B. That's cool. They bring in mobs. Yeah. Since the mob members also then indirectly learn about the threatening person, the findings demonstrate how just a single crow's bad experience with a particular human can spread information about this individual throughout the entire crow community. That's wild. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily hive brain, but they're communicating throughout their community about a a negative interaction with someone right it might not necessarily be like any type of telepathy or but or well that's what a, a maybe not a hive mind but maybe some type of telepathy or maybe some type of high or a tone high pitched or low pitched that we can't detect that they communicate this right information. They're, they're doing some sort of communicating that we they're doing bird talk and we can't really right given that crows have impressive memories People who ruffle the feathers of these birds could experience years of retribution. Bothered crows may at first give harsh calls, which we call scolds, that attract other crows who are nearby to join in the mob, according to study co-author John Marsloff. The mob of 2 to 15 birds hounds us, sometimes diving from the sky to within a few meters or less. This pursuit lasts about 100 meters as we walk away. So even if you mess with one of these birds, you have a bad experience with the bird. Yeah. They're going to chase you for 100 yards? Yeah. I mean, and and they might try and attack you, I guess, depending on what type of action was taken on them or their offspring. News. Crows are feathered engineers. So Mars Love is a professor at the University of Washington School of Forest Resources. For the study, he and colleagues Heather Cornell and Shannon Picoro exposed wild crows to a novel, dangerous face by wearing a unique mask as they trapped, banded, and released 7 to 15 uh, birds at sites near Seattle. The released birds immediately scolded the mask wearer, Hearing the racket, other crows joined, forming an angry mob. When the researchers later put on other masks while traveling to different areas, crows that were never captured immediately recognized the dangerous face, illustrating how these birds learned through social means and not as a result of direct experience. Both relatives and strangers joined in the scolding and mobbing, which could occur over a mile away from the original incident. So they're the saying they could track you for a mile. That's that's pretty crazy. Man, imagine being a part of that. Yeah, I wonder I mean, wonder if it can go from state to state. That'd be that'd be really crazy. Yeah. Once such a face is locked into a crow's memory, it's likely there for good. Our study shows the memory lasts at least five years and counting, Marsloff said. Individual crows that are adults can live 15 to 40 years in the wild. I didn't realize that crows could live to 40 years old. I know that like macaws uh, can, can live a long time and that birds can live a long time, but I never thought a crow would live to be 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, 
well in Shawshank, remember that uh, he kept a he kept a crow. Yeah, I do remember that he had. Well, he was a baby in the beginning, and then yeah. But I mean, like a a robin, right? He, he, he was maybe like three years, maybe. You would think, and it also makes you think about the term when someone calls you a bird brain. That might actually sounds like it should be a good thing. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're lasting that long. Well, and the memory that they have and the, and the technology that they can somehow pass this information on to their offspring and everyone within their clan. Right, they have their own language. So most, cry, most crows die when they're young, but those that make it to adulthood can live a long time. And they probably remember important associations they have formed for much of their lives. Prior research demonstrates that crows are particularly intelligent birds. Others have shown that some crows make us, oh, they make and use tools. They forecast future events, understand what other animals know, and in our case, learn from individual experience as well as by observing parents and peers, Muslove explained. These are all advanced cognitive tasks shown by only a few animals. So interesting. It's good, Fultz. I like it so far. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think about um, like an, an infant child until it, it reaches a, a certain age. You know, you could pass it off to anybody and let the child hold it. But after a while, after it's just been with its mother and father, it start, it, you try and hand it off to somebody that wants to see the new baby. It's got that separation anxiety. It doesn't want to go to this person. It doesn't matter whether you're the biggest celebrity on earth, president of the United States, whatever. All it wants is its mother, the face that it recognizes. And it seems like, I mean, these birds have it on a higher level that, I mean, humans, um, we, we have the ability to to sense things. But we're the. I was reading one time that we're the only mammals that, that ignore that sense. Um like, for instance, if, if you're about to walk into an elevator and you sense that the person in there is really creepy and that they could hurt, possibly hurt you, everything in your body screaming that, well, you'll justify, like, oh, I'm just being crazy and go in there. An animal would never do that. A deer would never do that. A white-tailed deer, if it sensed that, it would hightail it out of there. So it, it's interesting. It, it seems like they're more connected with their senses. Maybe their instincts. They don't ignore them. Right, maybe us reasoning, maybe our, our reasoning just... We try and give the benefit of the doubt, which technically you should never really do. Nobody's right. earned the benefit of the doubt. Not from the beginning. Exactly. Brainy birds live the high life in cities. He suspects other social, long-lived species that live closely with humans might also share information in a similar manner. Possibilities include animals such as coyotes, raccoons gulls, pigeons, and rats. All could practice a combination of social and trial and error learning. The latter provides the most accurate information, but it is clearly riskier than indirect social learning. I would say that it's definitely true with, with gulls. And if you don't believe it, go down to the beach and throw a french fry in the air. I mean, birds come that they couldn't even have possibly just seen these birds flocking. It, it, it turns into a mob scene, just like they said. The social and trial by error. You, I've also seen that too, where you can throw something that's not a French fry, and the bird will come and get it, but then spit it out. Yeah, like like a cigarette butt or something. <laughs> I've done that when I was a kid. I'm not proud of it. The animal kingdom, humans have a language advantage. 
because we can just verbally warn others about dangers. Vocalizations do not appear to be enough for crows, which appear to require visual observation for the information to sink in. So they're, they're eyes on. Instead of hands on learning, they're eyes on learning. Ann Clark, an associate professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at Binghamton University, told Discovery News that this new study suggests importantly how much long-term studies of individuals have to contribute to our understanding of adaptive social learning. She added, I doubt that anyone working with crows will be surprised by the results suggesting several routes of social transmission. But this kind of formal empirical testing is much needed. Kevin McGowan, an instructor at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, excuse me, very nice, echoed Clark's comments, but said the findings might surprise anyone who thinks animals only learn by direct experience. Social animals are social for lots of very good reasons, McGowan continued. This study demonstrates one of the more suitable, sorry, one of the more subtle, oh, how could you mistake it, ways the animals benefit from interactions with other members of their own species. So they're, they're pretty much getting studies together that are showing these animals learn in more than just direct contact ways. They have social, they have social learning skills. Right, and they can directly identify uh, a face. Now, so you have to wonder, depending on how you're treating them, are they going to be your friend or, fro- or, or foe? Now, crows and their relatives, among them ravens and magpies and jays, are renowned for their intelligence and their ability to flourish in the human-dominated landscapes. The ability may have to do with the cross-species, social skills, do you remember that Mockingjay that was in the woods when we were hunting this summer? Yeah, I remember that. It sounded just oh, like this, it. Yeah, it was like this winter. Yeah. But it sounded like... Like the from the... Uh, from the movie, yeah. Yeah. The, the Hunger Games. <laughs> it was... Cr- I heard it. I was like, I, I know Fultz is hearing this right now. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. A it's, Mockingjay. You got to love the birds. Now, the... Um, the ability may have to do with across species sh- social skills. In the Seattle area, where ra- rabid suburban growth has attracted a thriving crow population, researchers, researchers have found that birds can recognize individual human faces. Marsloff, the wildlife biologist from University of Washington, we was studying the crows and ravens for more than 20 years and has long wondered if the birds could particularly identify individual researchers. Previously, trapped birds seemed more wary of particular scientists and often were harder to catch. I thought, well, it's an annoyance, but it's not really hampering our work, Dr. Marsloff said. But then I thought, we should test it directly. Now, to test the birds' recognition of faces separately from that of clothing, gait, and other individual human characteristics, Mosloff and two students wore rubber masks. He designated a caveman mask as dangerous, and in a deliberate gesture of civic generosity, a Dick Cheney mask as a neutral. Researchers in the dangerous mask then trapped and banned seven crows on the university's campus. In the months that followed, the researchers and volunteers donned the masks on the campus, this time walking prescribed routes and not bothering the crows. The crows had not forgotten. 
They scolded people in the dangerous mask significantly more than they did before they were trapped. Even when the mask was disguised with a hat or worn upside down, the neutral mask provoked little reaction. The effect has not only persisted, but has also multiplied over the past two years. Wearing the dangerous mask on one recent walk through the campus, Marsloff said he was scolded by 47 out of the 53 crows he encountered many more than had experienced or witnessed in the initial trapping. The researchers hypothesized that the crows learned to recognize threatening humans from both parents and others in their flock. How about that? That's crazy. So, I mean, they're passing it on to their children. So if they can go back to their nest and basically communicate somehow what this face looked like without even having to, to show them. Yeah, I think being able to communicate what someone's face looks like from one bird to another without showing them the face is unreal. I mean, they say when birds fly that they can actually see the grid that they're flying with. So if they if they have those type of capabilities, I mean, their communication is far more advanced than we could even perceive. I think it's cool. I do too. Now, after the experiments on campus, Marsloff and the students tested the effect with more realistic masks, using a half a dozen students as models. They enlisted a professional mask maker, then wore the new mask while trapping the crows at several sites in and around Seattle. The researchers then gave a mix of neutral and dangerous masks to the volunteer observers, who, unaware of the mask's histories, wore them at the trapping sites and recorded the crows' responses. The reaction to one of the dangerous masks was quite spectacular, said one volunteer, Bill, per- Bill Parkmersky, a retired telephone company manager who lives near Snohomish, Washington. The birds r- were really ruckus, screaming persistently, he said, and it was clear that they weren't upset about something in general. They were upset with me. Again, the crows were significantly more likely to scold observers who wore a dangerous mask and when confronted simultaneously by observers in a danger dangerous and neutral mask the birds almost unerringly choose to persecute the dangerous mask in downtown seattle where most passerbys ignore crows angry birds nearly touch their human foes in rural areas where crows are more likely to be viewed as noisy flying rats and shot the birds express their displeasure from a distance Though Marzaloff is the first formal study of human face recognition in wild birds, his preliminary findings confirm his suspicions of many other researchers who have observed similar abilities in crows, ravens, gulls, and other species. The pioneer animal behaviorist Conrad Lorenz was so convinced of the perceptive capacities of crows and their relatives that he wore a devil costume when handling jackdaws. Stasia Backenstow, a master's student at the university, assembled an elaborate costume, including a fake beard and pot belly made of pillows because she believes her face and body are familiar to previously captured birds. So if they're going through all that, they obviously know that these birds have recognized them and are, are tormenting them. They can't even go out and do other research unless they have like a crafted costume on. It's bizarre. Have you ever had an experience like that with a crow? No, and you know what? Um, it was a friend of mine who I was talking to because uh, we get a lot of crows in my backyard all the time because we get it, it obtains a lot of water, so, that, so there's bugs, and especially in the spring and, and summertime. And I was telling a buddy of mine 
who actually was the one who tipped me to this information leading up to this show. I was telling him how, excuse me, that the birds were causing a lot of problems and this and that. And I was saying that maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll get like a pellet gun out and maybe just try and scare him because a pellet gun wouldn't penetrate. And uh, he was like, don't do that. And I was like, why? He was like, dude, he's like, they're going to remember your face. Oh, and he started telling me about this. And I was like, wow. So then I started researching it more and, and me and Steve started interacting with it. And well, here we are. So, um, Marsloff is the, fr- okay, we, we did that. Now, Kevin J. McGowan, an ornithologist at Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology, who has trapped and branded cows in upstate New York for 20 years, said he was regularly followed by birds who benefited from his handouts of peanuts and harassed by others he has trapped in the past. Why crows are similar species are so closely attuned to humans is a matter of debate. Bernard Heinrich, a professor of emeritus at the University of Vermont, known for his books on raven behavior, suggested that crows' apparent ability to distinguish among human faces is a byproduct of their acuity, an outgrowth of their unusually keen ability to recognize one another even after many months of separation. Dr. McGowan and Dr. Marsloff believe that this ability gives crows and their brethren an evolutionary edge. If you can learn who to avoid and who to seek out, that's a lot easier than continually getting hurt, Maslov said. I think that allow these animals to survive with us and take advantage of us in much a safer, more effective way is what we need to do. I think that I have had uh, crow experiences because I remember being in someone's yard, in their front yard, in Roger's front yard, and I think the same crow kept making the same noise like, rah, rah. And uh, at one point, I, l- I looked over and I was like, shut up. Like, you could tell he was talking to me. Yeah. Like, you could tell he was making that noise at me. <clears throat> yeah, squirrels do that, too. Um, they, they they harass my cats all the time. They get up in the train and they bark. <laughs> then the cats go after them and they take off. So they're just taunting <laughs> them. It's crazy. But, yeah, so from what we've learned so far, uh, we should – not be trying to harm the crows, but maybe just uh, you know, throw them a peanut or two here and there. So we have this next section coming up, which uh, can be pretty strange. So um, you think crow funerals are strange. Wait until you see the wake. Now, new research shows that American crows will occasionally interact with the dead, including engaging in necrophilia. Crows are clever, thoughtful birds that have shown themselves capable of solving complex problems, remembering human faces, and even holding a grudge. They also flock to members of their own species after death and behavior that looks like mourning, but which science suspect is closer to reconnaissance. What killed this bird, they seem to be thinking, and how do I avoid the same fate? But there's this other thing that some crows do when they encounter a follow comrade. According to a new study published in the Royal Society Publishing Journal, the, ph- the philosophical transactions be, and it's a little off-putting. Sometimes crows just want to get it on with the dead. Now, a little necrophilia here and there isn't unheard of in the animal kingdom. Scientists have documented occurrences in ground squirrels, tegus, mallards, sea lions, and otters, just to name a few species, who apparently dabble in the dark arts. Now, unfortunately, these are almost always opportunistic, one of observation that don't offer much insight into the animal mind. 
But Calais Swift, an animal behaviorist at the School of Environmental and Forest Science at the University of Washington, has changed all of that. Now, over the course of two years, Swift tracked down pairs of crows across the Seattle area and submitted them to one of two controlled experiments. In the first trial, she presented each pair with one of several taxidermy corpses that she kept in her backpack, either an adult crow, a juvenile crow, a pigeon, or a squirrel. In this study, she found that the majority of crows, 70%, refused to interact with the dead animal, which makes sense. Now, there's a risk associating with approaching a corpse, says Swift. You can contract a deadly disease, get mobbed by stinging insects, or perhaps get offed by whatever killed the other animal. This is why she and co-author John Mozeloff believe crows perform these so-called funeral rituals. The animals are trying to learn about the threats in the area. However... In 10 of the 153 trials, Swift and Marsloff found that the birds threw caution to the wind, not just to peck at the crow's corpses or try to feed from them, but to engage in a sexual behavior. These include either mounting the carcass, engaging in, engaging in sex with the mates near the carcass, or presenting themselves to the carcass, dropping its wings, up-tucked tail, vibrations, as though they were a potential mate. Now, what's interesting about that is uh, my wife and I recently, within the last week, week and a half, we were on a walk, and we were walking by this hospital, and in the grass, there, there laid a dead crow, and there was another crow right on top of it, and it was doing, it was like drooping, drooping its wings and doing, and my wife said to me, why do you think it's doing that? And I was like, funny you should ask, and went over some of this information that, uh, that we've been, been working with, but uh such a low, low percentage, 10 out of 153 trials, and studying this information, then me and my wife actually saw this going down. I guess, well, if you listen to our show on Law of Attraction, that would mean a lot. The odds of that happening are very low. And, and actually, the odds of just seeing a dead crow are pretty low. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what would have taken it down. I mean, I mean, my cat's if if a if a robin lands in the yard or anything they stalk it and try and get now it always flies off they never mess with the crows at any given time we'll have like 50 or 60 crows in the backyard just all gathered there and they're just like pecking around looking for food and uh, sometimes if if bread goes stale i throw it out but the cats never try and mess with the crows ever and cats i mean they say they got a sixth sense so they probably are like yeah you don't mess with those birds right there Right. I mean, especially with the, the lifeline on them. I mean, 40 years possibly. Now, what's odd, and to be, and to be sure, but perhaps uh, these behaviors could be explained by sheer confusion. Was it possible that crows didn't know the dummies were already dead? To find out... Swift scared up an entirely new roster of paired crows. She didn't want that. She didn't want to use the same ones in case the birds remembered her or the previous experiment, and that and that skewed the responses. So in the second trial, she presented the living crows with either a taxidermic crow that was laying on its side as if a roadkill, or a taxidermic crow that was propped up to appear as though it was still alive. Interestingly. The living birds seem to be able to tell the difference choosing to scold or call it the dead-looking corpse more often and dive bomb or mob the, li the live-looking corpse more often. But here, too, the crows came onto the corpse. Sexual events occurred four times with the lifelike crows and eight times with the roadkill ones. What, 
what is going on? Now, according to Swift, the key to understanding this morbid behavior may be timing. Every single one of the interactions occurred during the bird's breeding season. Though the birds interact with the roadkill birds twice as often, Swift says the upright test was performed as many times during this sexy window. They're going through such intense hormonal changes as part of that breeding season, and they're so excitable, says Swift, I think that their forebrain recognizes that this individual is not a threat, that it is not alive, but they're so charged up that they get overcome and responding to the stimulus in a way that would have that they would if it was still alive. This makes sense to Kevin McGowan, who has been studying the crows of central New York for 30 years with the Cornell Laboratory. What we see with a lot of birds and a lot of other animals out there is that they're working their way through their lives pretty gracefully, encountering predators and yelling at them, and encountering potential mates and courting them, and doing what looks like normal life, says McGowan, who was not part of the new study. But every individual is just as stupid as we are, and they're stumbling through their lives in a lot of ways. In other words, sometimes birds make mistakes, even intelligent birds like crows. And while necrophilia is certainly shocking to our human sensibilities, McGowan says it's also squarely within the realm of possibility. I would have been totally surprised the first time I saw something like that, he says, but it's not like they're swimming underwater. So basically, in the world, it's considered to be something normal in a, in a bird's world. Yeah, I mean, Mother Nature throws a bunch of different stuff at you. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what a bird's thinking. Yeah, we can put a bird's brain under an MRI and scan it but and see what it's lighting up, what type of thoughts or what type of receptors. We don't know exactly what they're thinking. No, it would be cool if you could uh, change a crow's thoughts into a, a video type image. That would be cool. I'm sure they could have they would have definitely liked that uh, or with the birds aren't real. Maybe they put some of those into those birds so that they can project back what they've seen. I think we were discussing that. Yeah, I mean, we we talked in, in our dreams episode, we talked a little bit about taking your dream from an image that occurs into your mind to an image that can be played back in like a video format. Right, and that scientists are working on something that could actually record your REM sleep in your dreams, which would be interesting to be able to see because I don't want to get too far off topic, but it'd be interesting to see just because when you're having your dream, it makes perfect sense. But like they say in in Steve's favorite movie, you just sort of get there. Right, you just sort of happen to be. So, how did you get to this place? When you never, you think, yeah, you never remember how you got here. Right. So, let's get back on Crow Steve. Why don't you take us into this next section? So, how, this next section is uh, some of the stuff we went over before, but it, there's a lot more detail in this. So, I really like this section. How crows recognize individual humans, warn others, and are basically smarter than you and me. The corvid family, a widespread group of birds made up of most prominently crows, ravens, and magpies, are no ordinary birds. With a brain-to-body weight ratio and cognitive abilities equal to apes and dolphins, this excerpt from the great new book, Gifts of the Crow, How Perception, Emotion, and Thought Allow Smart Birds to Behave Like Humans, by John M. Marsloff and Tony Angel, D. 
details an experiment in which students and faculty at the University of Washington try to discover if crows can recognize individual humans and what they do with that information. A couple of days before Valentine's Day in 2006, students and professors donned grotesque masks, bold, heavily browed, reddish-orange cavemen, and captured seven crows on the University of Washington's campus. They tagged and ensnared crows with standard plastic and metal bracelets, like those that we had fit into light blue, dark blue's legs, and released them after only a few minutes. On Valentine's Day, John slipped into his Dick Cheney face and strolled across campus looking for crows to record their reactions. He found nine birds, and while one seemed a bit anxious and flew off calling, the others basically ignored him. The students were more reactive, as being Dick Cheney on a liberal college campus wasn't easy. But from the Crows' perspectives, Dick was just an average Joe. The local Crows screamed, dove, and followed anyone wearing a mask of Scott. Two days later, John left the Cheney mask in the lab and morphed once again into the caveman. He stepped outside of his office building at 11.07, eager to learn whether the crows would remember his face, the face of the man who'd captured them earlier this week. At 11.15, he found a crow near the student union building and began to approach. Immediately, the bird flew into a tree and gave a series of harsh calls, flicked its tail, and stared directly down at him. This scolding behavior, identical to how the, these rowdy birds typically address their natural predators, quickly attracted two more birds. The pair now cautiously eyed John and issued a real tongue lashing. The first scolding the bird, the first scolding bird was unbanded. John had never handled that bird, and the second bird wore bands, signaling that it had personally met the caveman a few days earlier. This bird had good reason to scold. The caveman was a proven threat, but the first bird could have known only secondhand about the dangerous caveman. Perhaps she had seen us catch the and banned her colleagues. John continued his walk and in total encountered 31 crows, three of whom scolded him. So interesting. The first run of the experiment was a success. At least three birds recognized and harassed the dangerous caveman. In contrast, none responded to the caveman prior to trapping, and none responded to the control face of Dick Cheney who had never directly participated in, in the trapping. We repeated these initial tests with similar results over the next year. We even recruited other students to run the tests for us. We wanted to make sure it wasn't just our imagination or perhaps the way we approached the crows that made them scold the caveman and ignore the vice president. We set the students loose on the campus with masks and notebooks, their results confirmed ours in every aspect. The crows scolded the caveman, not Cheney. Many of the scolding birds were unbanded, and it was the face that triggered the ire of the crows. Wow. Yeah, it's getting deep, folks. It is. You want me to jump in here? Yeah, grab it. Now, 
We have continued and expanded our initial investigations. In addition to the caveman on the campus, we now have confirmed other crows' abilities to discriminate dangerous from neutral faces in our four new settings. And we have done so using masks molded from our friends' faces, ordinary men and women faces, much less distinct than the caveman's. And in downtown Seattle, for example, our friend Scott's face was used during the trapping. As with our campus experiment, the local crows screamed, dove, and dove, and followed anyone where his that was wearing his mask while ignoring those wearing any of the other five masks. In rural Maltby, Vivian was the trapper. There was a scolded, she was scolded while Scott and the others were more or less ignored. Now, when encountering a single face, crows do occasionally scold a person who is not dangerous. It seems safer to cry wolf occasionally rather than ignore a real threat. But when we presented the crows with a choice, their ability to distinguish among people was uncanny. In this experiment, two of us approached a crow while we each wore a different mask, one dangerous and the other neutral. As we neared the crow, we diverged in opposite directions for a while, then reconvened and diverged again. As we paraded back and forth, invariably, the crow lit out after the dangerous person, following him and letting the other mask, but harmless person, strut unscathed. Hmm. Now, crows maybe rem- remember our facial features or perhaps have a simple s- signal, maybe a special call or for dangerous people in general, though the latter seems not to be the case. We recorded the voices of crows as they screamed at us and at hawks and raccoons who found no obvious difference in the calls to people generally or to dangerous people specifically. We know from other studies that corvid alarm calls indicate the caller's identity and often the degree of the threat posed, but not the specific identity of the predator. Siberian jays, for instance, adjust their alarm calls to encode the hunting behavior of hawks, moving versus perching versus attacking. Crows may do something similar. The intensity, duration, and pace of scolding indicate the degree of danger and predator a predator poses, but this adjustment of scolding occurs whether in response to a hawk, coon, or caveman. Man. Interesting. So, these birds have highly intelligence. Yeah, I mean, the crows were calling his name, thought call. That's crazy. It's a different Saturday Night Live bit. It was a Call. it was a deep thoughts by Jack Handy. It was like, <laughs> the crows were calling his name, thought Gall. But yes, yeah, super interesting. So, if you've ever considered harming or being threatening towards a crow, you might really want to think twice next time because you don't know this thing could they can live upwards of forty years. They could be they could be a nuisance to you to your kids for a long long time because they can pass this information on to their offspring and somehow communicate it to other crows who may not have even ever seen your face. Yeah, and you don't want to be the house where the crows all call at and right now. Granted, I do get a lot of crows in my backyard, but I think it's because they know that I throw stale bread out there sometimes, so they remember. From from year to year, and then they come back, and like today, I hadn't had any out there. They were probably like, what the heck, yo? But you have to let them see you throwing it. Oh, they've seen me, because I, I open up the window right where they are, and I just whip it right out. That way they know you're cool. Oh, yeah. I'm always trying to stay on the good side of the crows. So hopefully you found that uh, interesting, and hopefully maybe that's a 
to some people that's a warning to uh be nice to your uh neighborhood crows a public service announcement yeah it's a psa so just uh not only be kind to crows but but everybody so uh that's our show for tonight i had a blast that was a good time so until next time i'm Foltz, and i'm steve and we'll see you next time take care one another bye-bye